Yeah, I think a lot of goalkeepers will probably see it as like a lonely position and, you know, you're all alone. Whereas I see it as I have connection with my centre-halves, I have connection with my full-backs. Um, if, if I look after them, they'll look after me sort of, sort of thing. So I don't feel totally alone in goal. And I, and I can understand where people say it's a pressure environment, you know, you make one mistake, um, it's a goal. Welcome to Leave No Doubt, a podcast brought to you by ePerform that explores all areas of performance within football. From the biggest lessons from the best players in the game to diving into nutrition, strength and conditioning and psychology with elite practitioners, we are here to help you maximise your potential, improve your game and leave nothing to chance in your football performance. Welcome to Leave No Doubt. Freddie Woodman, thank you for joining me. All good, mate? Yeah, all good, all good. Happy to happy to be here and, and, and do the podcast. Good, yeah. We're happy to have you, mate. So, um, listen, to get us started... A lot of talk goes on about pressure in football, uh, you know, about where it comes from and what it looks like. You're playing arguably the most pressure position on, you know, on a football pitch. Uh, so how important do you think it is to be able to deal with pressure in modern day football? Um, yeah, well, first and foremost, I'd, I'd probably say that football isn't pressure for me in a weird way. Uh, I look at football as a challenge and an opportunity and I wouldn't really call it pressure. Um, I feel like pressure is, you know, like life and, and, and death, death situations and people trying to, trying to put food on the table. I think like people have said that before. I remember Tre uh, Troy Deeney speaking about it. So yeah, I don't really look at football as, as a pressure, uh, environment. I, I see it as a, as a challenge and, and as an opportunity. Um, and I think a few people will, pro will probably think that's a bit strange and, you know, how, how does he not feel pressure in that situation? But yeah, since I've started playing, I've never, ever seen it as, you know, a pressure environment uh, for myself anyway. How did you, you know, how did you come up with that sort of mentality and, and approach to football? Was that from an early age? I think it maybe came from um, seeing, you know, my dad played, obviously. Um, he didn't play to the level that he would have liked to and... Um, probably you know struggled you know at times you know I actually spoke to him the other day about like, how, how did you manage to you know play football obviously not at that level and not earn the money that you know you'd have liked to earn and and manage a family and and have a mortgage and have all these other things and he spoke on uh, openly about it and said you know it's such a such a like difficult time and he, he doesn't know how he did it so in my head I look at that as pressure I think that's pressure you know trying to look after two children and managing a mortgage and a family, um, I would say that that that's more pressure than anything. So maybe it's it's came, it's come from that, and and the fact that I just love playing football and it's enjoyable. You know, I, I go out to a football pitch and I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm buzzing off it. Not that I'm like, oh, this is a massive pressure environment. You know. So talk to me a little bit about how you know, as a goalkeeper, you're you're out there for people to, you know, it's a selfish position in terms of like you're out there for people to get at it's very unique and like I'm talking about obviously a goalkeeper is an, an, an under pressure position and you're seeing it not as that. How did you develop that mentality from an early age about your position? Whereas, you know, a lot of other people probably go and go and, and feel that pressure about having to, you know, to, to stop the ball going in the net and, and, and actually the responsibility that they have is too much for them. Yeah, I think a lot of goalkeepers will probably see it as like a lonely position and, you know, you're all alone. Whereas I see it as, I have connection with my centre-halves. I have connection with my full-backs. Um, 
if they if I look after them, they'll look after me, sort of sort of thing. So I don't feel totally alone in goal. And I and I can understand where people say it's a pressure environment, you know, you make one mistake, um, it's a goal. But there's there's plenty of other environments where you make one mistake and 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 it's and it's uh, and, and you die or, or or something happens bad in in in, in, that, in them environments. So um yeah, I'm not really too sure how I've developed this this mentality of like don't see football as pressure. Um, you know, even in some of my biggest games, you know, of course I felt nervous and I and I felt, you know, a bit anxious before before the game. But I would never be like, oh, there's so much pressure on this. Um, yeah, I, I can't. You know, like we spoke earlier, maybe it's come from my dad and and also maybe from my granddad hearing about. You know, he, he went to he was in World War Two. I used to grow up listening to stories about that. And I used to think, wow, that, that's pressure, you know, look, looking after the guy next to you because, you know, he could ultimately die. And, and I think that I see that as pressure, not, not playing football because I, I, I love playing football and, and it's enjoyable. So is that something you tell yourself, you know, before match days and, uh, you know, daily training on a training basis when, you know, when you're out there practicing and, and in the gym and stuff, that, that positive mindset of that you're, you know, that you see everything as a challenge? Is that sort of what drives you to, to succeed? 100%, yeah, 100%. I wake up pretty much every day and I'm, I'm excited for the challenge, like even if it's going into the gym. Like, for example, for the, today, I played squash against my mate and that was a challenge. I had to beat him. You know, I had, in my head, I had to beat him 5-0. Didn't even have to, like, I couldn't let him win a game. Um, so, yeah, that's probably um, every day that drives me is, you know, the challenge and, and the opportunity that arises, um, you know, even before the day started, I'll, I'll, I'll set my day out so I know what I'm doing. If it's a training day, I'll know I'll be in the, in, in the gym pre-activating um, before training. I'll go out and train. I'll come back in after. I know I'll be stretching. I'll have lunch. I know I'm going to do a strength and conditioning session. I just have it all, you know, planned out the best I can. Um, and, and that's really how I've attacked every day. Even in like rest days and off days, I, I set a plan out to know, you know, this is a rest day and this is what I'm going to do. Um, I feel like that's given me, you know, the, the, the best chance to, to, to prepare for, um, you know, prepare for games and also just prepare for having like just a healthy life. Where's that come from? Where's, you know, that habit of planning your day and, and setting your, your day out? Where's that come from? I've, probably it's come from uh, a lot of reading, uh, a lot of, you know, bouncing off uh, other people and other ideas. Um, I think just, you know, from when I was young, it's always, there's always been a motto around, you know, my dad drilled it into me about, you know, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And I feel like if you can just, you know, prepare the best you can. You give yourself the best opportunity. Like I said about earlier, about having opportunities. If you prepare well, you give yourself the best chance of, of, of performing and, um, and really having, having the best life you can. I think one of my biggest fears would, you know, get to the end of my career or the end of my life and just be like, you know, I missed out on so many opportunities because I just didn't prepare right. I think I see a lot of, you know, footballers, I see a lot of athletes, I, saw, I see a lot of human beings that just do not prepare at all. Um, and it, it sort of drives me crazy. Like, just, you know, even for this podcast, I, you know, I wanted to read the notes. I wanted to have things in my mind. I, I just wanted to be a little bit more prepared. And, you know, some people will look at it as, like, uh, a bad thing and say, like, oh, you can't prepare for everything. Um, but I feel like you can give yourself the best chance to, to, to perform at, at the level that you want to. 
So, yeah, like you say, a lot of people in football might not prepare as much as you do and, and might have an opinion that that's the right way to be. There's no right or wrong way. But what do you feel the benefit is in preparing like you do? I think, you know, we spoke about earlier about the pressure and everything. And I know if I get to a game on a Saturday and I've prepared from Monday all the way to Saturday, I can stand in that tunnel and I can be totally calm, confident. You know, I've prepared right I'm ready. Whatever happens out there, happens out there. I know I've, I've, I've done everything right and I've given myself the best opportunity to perform at the level that I want to perform at. So, you know, it gives you a sense of calmness. It gives you, you know, clarity that you've, you've done everything right. And, you know, that's just the way I do it. Um, there's, there's, there's players that are, you know, some of the best players in the world, some of the best players that I've played with, they don't do any of that. They just go out there and play. Um, I feel like personally, if I was to do that, I wouldn't have, you know, got to the level that I am now and have achieved the things that I, ha I have done. Um, I feel like I almost have to do this to, you know, be up there with them, with, with them players. So see, we're going to get into it a little bit more, mate, uh, in terms of obviously how you have achieved um, at a young age to reach the level that you have and the career that you've, you've had so far, which is, which is genuinely really impressive. Um, but I want to get a bit more of an insight into obviously the way that you prepare and, and how you plan your days. So other people listening can, you know, can relate to that and, and can use it for themselves. So give us an insight into what you planning out a normal training day might look like. Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, um, for me, obviously like reading and learning and, and trying to get, but the day starts with a good, good, good night's rest. I think that's so important. So then I can wake up, um, feeling fresh, energised. So I normally wake up, if it's a training day, I'll probably wake up about eight o'clock. Um, I'll go through a few stretches, um, just loosen up my body, um, have breakfast at home. So so I know it's like what I want to have instead of, you know, you go to training and there's, 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 there's like a buffet style or whatever and you can sort of control what you eat. Um, I go into training. I like to interact with, with the players. Um, I think this is important. Um, to, 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 to build relationships, especially for me when I'm going to new clubs, you know, I've been on loan a few times, you've got to build relationships, especially with, with your centre-halves, like I said earlier, and your full-backs, people that are going to sort of bail you out sometimes. Um, and then I always just work back from training. So if training's 10.30, I know I'm in the gym at 10. I go out to train. After training, I know I'm in the gym stretching. Um, yeah, th th these are just things that I've learned over the years that have just helped me. Um, you know, speaking to, to, to sports scientists, speaking to strength and conditioning coaches, you know, how can I give my, my body the best chance of recovering? How can I give my body the best chance of improving? Um, so, yeah, that's the, the, the ideas uh, behind going in the gym before training and going in the gym after. And then ultimately, you know, going back in the gym after lunch to do a strength and conditioning session. Um, I feel like this is really important and it's something that I really enjoy. Um, it's not like going in the gym and getting like as big as you can, you know, like a, like a bodybuilder. But um, it's just using using the, the the good people around, you know, especially at the football clubs that that I've that I've played at. Is that there's there's really um, clever people and and people that just want to help you get better. So um, you know, you can use the strength and conditioning coaches, you can use the physios, and 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 that's really um, what I do. And then obviously after training, I'll just go home and and and, and relax the best I can. Um, sometimes, you know, obviously when I'm at Swansea or, or when I've been at Swansea or when I've been at Newcastle, I'm not in an environment where like my friends are from back home in London. 
Um, so it's pretty much, you know, be on my own, um, which, you know, I don't mind to be fair. It's, it's, it's not, not too bad, but um, you have to get comfortable being on your own uh, a lot, which, which is, is some people struggle with. So, yeah, really, that's just like my training day. Um, sort of, that's how I, how I go about things. Uh, give us a little bit of an insight into your reading. Obviously, you say where you've learned all this uh, and you've learned what helps you. How, what did that process look like and, and where did you re- what did you read? Where did you go for your information? Yeah, um, I never used to read at all. Uh, at school, I was bad at school. thought it was pointless. Um, obviously, now I realise that it's not and I, I wish I would have uh, paid attention at school. But I, um, I broke my ankle, um, had to have surgery. I was about 16. And I was in, you know, like like you are, you're a scholar. You think, oh, this is it. This is over. Like I've 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 injured myself. This this could be it. Um, I was in a you know probably a bad mindset looking back at it. Uh, I was so lucky enough that um, Puma, the, the 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 sponsor that was sponsoring me at the time, uh, they still sponsor me now. Um, the guy there managed to get me a meeting with a guy called Steve Black. You know, he's worked with the, the, the Lions. He worked with the Newcastle Falcons, got a rugby background. I went and I was meant to meet him for, for half an hour and I ended up staying with him for four and a half hours and he just he just spoke so much wisdom. I've never listened to someone so intensely and, and just brought into everything he said. And uh, he, he gave me my first book. It was Legacy by the, the All Blacks New Zealand uh, rugby team. And I picked that up, just couldn't put it down. Just absolutely loved it. Loved the culture. Loved the, the the principles that they had, the values, the morals, and um, yeah, I just sort of tried to do everything that the All Blacks were doing. Like um, the first things about sweeping the sheds. So as soon as I went back to football, I was in the res- I think I was in the under 18s or the reserves. Got a broom out, started sweeping up my mud, making sure the tape that I'd used was in the bin, making sure my spot was tidy, um, and yeah, just everything that in that book I just started implementing. And uh, yeah, that's how, that's how it started. And then, you know, you, you read Legacy and you think, oh, what's next? And you pick another like-minded book up and, and you read it and you just try and, uh, what I tried to, what I read, I just tried to implement it in my life. And if it worked, it stayed. If it didn't, uh, it, 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 uh, it faded out. So uh, that, that's really how, how it started for me. So obviously you have, like we've been speaking about, you have access to these sports scientists who, you know, incredibly intelligent guys, you have access to facilities at your football clubs, the, you know, the standard of the training grounds now that uh, elite clubs are, that you can obviously train that way and you can go to the gym and do these things. Is there a way, in your opinion, that guys that don't have access to these sports scientists and may not have access to, you know, elite level gyms, be able to train and attain the same sort of standards that, that, you're, that you obviously are trying to get to? I, I think so, personally, yeah, I think you can. Um, I look back at my time at Crawley when I went on loan to Crawley in League Two. They didn't have a gym. They didn't have any facilities. Um, they didn't even have uh, an S&C coach. And um, I, uh, you, have to, you have to take it on yourself. You know, it's your responsibility to look after your life and it's your responsibility to look after your career. So, you know, I found the closest, uh, I think it was enough field health or, or, or something. I think it was enough field health. Um, and uh, I found the closest one to the training ground and I'd wake up earlier than I would. I'd go to the Nuffield House. Uh, I'd train in the gym and the gym program that I got, I'd, um, I would, I, I messaged Newcastle at the time and I said, can you get me an S&C coach in Surrey? Because obviously that was near Crawley. I want to train with him and I want him to make, I want him to improve me. He had, like come to the Nuffield House. 
Um, and the guy at Newcastle, Chris Wilding, got me a person to come with me at Nuffield Health. It was like 7.30 in the morning. And yeah, that, that's what I did. So I think you can, you just have to take it on yourself. You know, like even like this summer, um, you know, I've, I've managed to work with uh, a guy called Rob Nittman in the gym. You know, he's given me a program. He's given me a structure. I go back into pre-season and, you know, all my levels are, are, are better. You know, I do a hamstring test and it's better. I do a jump test, it's better. And um, that's really, that's really what you've got to do. You've got to, you know, got to take responsibility for yourself. And um, I feel like there's so much out there that you, you can, you can utilise. Um, you know, just go on the internet and you can, you can find anything. You know, if you want to, if you want to improve your jumps, you, you can find that stuff on the internet. You have to take it upon yourself and it has to become your, your responsibility. You can't, you can't always rely on, you know, the football club to look after you. Um, yeah, that, that, that's one of the biggest things I'd say is, you know, take responsibility for, for your life, really. Most of the guys that I've spoken to, obviously all playing at, at the top level, have all pretty much spoken about what you've just spoken about, about taking responsibility um, about looking after all your own stuff and leaving nothing to chance. Obviously, the podcast is called Leave No Doubt. That's, you know, it's a big part of, of what we're trying to preach. Would you say that taking responsibility for your own stuff is incredibly important in football now? I know that obviously our young guys um, in elite clubs get given a lot pretty early. Um, and, the, you know, the whole responsibility thing is, is sort of fading out a little bit. Would you push towards, you know, advising people that they take responsibility from, from a very early age? Yeah, I, I would, I think that's probably one of the most important things. Um, yeah, you know, take responsibility for, for, for the little things, for the big things, for, for pretty much everything. Um, just talking from experience that I can, I can speak about um, is, you know, I'd go to Hartlepool on loan and uh, they wouldn't have any tape. You know, as a goalie, you would want to tape up your wrists. So, you know, I was thinking, well, what can I do? Do you know what? I'll buy my own tape, I'll get delivered and I'll take that to training. You know, little things like that can just make a massive difference. And that, that's really the level you have to go to, you know, to be responsible. Um, and they're just the little things that I would do that I've thought about in my, in, in, in my career, in my past, that, that, that you have to do. Um, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's totally important. And like you said, like, I feel like I, I don't want to be one of them, them, them people that moan at like the young lads and, and, and say that everything's given to them. But, you know, they, they do get a lot given to them and they do get it. It's not that they get it easy, but, you know, they, they probably take it for granted. And then, you know, you've got these lads then going from, I don't know, Newcastle or Swansea and then they're going to play for, you know, lower league teams. And it's, a, it's, it's like the biggest wake-up call that they, that, that they can have. I, when I went to Hartlepool, it was one of the biggest wake-up and learning curves. I didn't even play at Hartlepool. But I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about football at that level. And I really, you know, I was 17 at the time and I had to just grow up like instantly. Like, and, and that, was, that was such, a, such an important part of, of, of my career. That, that time at Hartlepool, not, I, didn't, I didn't play one minute. So t tell us, tell us what you learned about yourself. Um, I, like we said, you had to be responsible. You had to, had to do things for yourself. Um, I didn't drive at the time, so I had to get a train from Durham. Uh, I had to get a train from Newcastle to Durham um, every day to just get to training. I had to, we had to wash our own kit, so I had to remember to pack my bag that morning, make sure I've got everything. I was so like switched on. If I, I, I remember thinking, oh, I, I hope I haven't packed two right gloves. You know, I haven't. Please tell me I haven't packed two right gloves. So in the end, I used to just pack three pairs of gloves. Um, 
yeah, I, I walked into a, an adult changer room. I learned very quickly that, you know, you've got to be, you've got a thick skin to survive because they'll batter you from the clothes you wear, from the boots you wear. You know, even if you, you if you try and be big time, you're getting battered for it. So it really humbled me. Um, and um, yeah, I learned, I learned about the men's game. And it, it, I know it sounds bad. It gave me the mentality of like, I don't want to play at this level, you know. I want to play at the top as as best I can. I want to play at, 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 in them big leagues. I want to play, you know, if I play champ, that's great. Like, just stay up there. I don't want to go back to washing my own clothes. I don't want to go back to, um, you know, it, not that it's a bad environment, but, you know, I want to play at the top. I want to, I want to, I want to challenge myself. Um, so, yeah, that, that time at Hartlepool without playing a minute was, was, was such, a, such a fascinating time. So as a goalkeeper, just to sum up this little bit, mate, before we move on, as a goalkeeper specifically, what advice would you have for young guys thinking about, you know, either playing in goal or guys that are currently playing in goal about, I know we've spoken about pressure and how you, you know, you flipped it to see it as a competitive environment. But if these guys are feeling some sort of pressure, what advice can you give to them on how to deal with that? Um, I would say don't overthink it. Um, you know, my advice to, to young goalies is, you know, just keep the ball out of the goal. You know, best you can. Don't overthink it. Don't think I've got to do this, got to do that. Just keep the ball out of goal as best you can and enjoy doing it. You know, make a save and enjoy it. Catch the ball, enjoy it. You know, you, goalkeepers are different. You know, they're, they're, they're just, they're just, everyone says, don't they, like, goalies are weird, they're different, they're this, they're that. Embrace it, enjoy it, and just, yeah, keep the ball out of the goal the best you can. You know, I think that's, I feel like, you know, you, you can, the, the coaches can teach the kids all this like technical and tactical, all these different things. But at a young, young age, if, you, if, if a young goalie can keep the ball out of the goal, then that's the best thing for me. Uh, and that's what we should be just telling these young goalkeepers is enjoy diving around, keeping it out of the net. Simple. Okay, so, you know, we've spoken about your dad a little bit. Um, Andy Woodman, obviously, for, for people who may or may not know. Um, can't overlook the fact that he's also my manager, you know, at the moment. So, we, you know, we can relate to him in that respect. But not only was your dad, obviously, an, an ex-pro, um, but your godfather is the current England manager. So you had good company, obviously, as you were growing up and, uh, you know, for advice. And you've already spoken about your dad quite a lot and, and how you've been able to learn from either his opinions or his, his experiences. Um, I can't, you know... What was it like growing up as the son of, of not only a professional footballer, um, but being, you know, around that environment, uh, around, you know, professional football and, and professional football players? It was, it was brilliant. It was, it was absolutely brilliant. I, like I, I touched on earlier, I love football. I enjoy football. And um, from ever since I was little, I, I, was in, I was in football changing rooms. I was in football environments. I was watching my dad. You know, I was proud of my dad. I used to go into school and, and the older kids would be like, oh, that, that's Freddie Woodman, you know, his, his dad's a footballer. No one else's dad was a footballer at the school, you know? So, you know, it was, it was wicked. It was so, so good. Um, so, yeah, from, from such a young environment, you know, I remember going to, 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 my dad was at Brentford. I was meant to go nursery and I'd go sit in a kit room with a kit man at Brentford whilst my dad was out training. And I feel like just from a young age, you know, not knowing too much about it, but just being around that environment, it must have had an impact on me becoming a footballer. I, I can't see how it wouldn't. You know, you're, I, I used to go to watch my dad uh, every Saturday. I used to go watch him at Oxford every Saturday without a doubt. Um, even when he went to Russian and Diamonds, I went and watched him. He played at Farrick for a little bit. I went and watched him. 
Um, so yeah, just I feel like it must have been it must have been huge for me. Um, not obviously not being aware of it, like because obviously I was so young, I can't really remember too much. But just being around that environment, it must have impacted me to to to, to go on to to play football. Um, yeah, it, I, I feel like you know after the books I've been reading and and and, and stuff, people say like you know. I hear about like tennis players. Serena Williams is like from a young age, just just hitting tennis balls. Andre Agassi, I read his book, just hitting tennis balls from such a young age. And I, I think to myself, you know, being around that football environment, did, did, did that impact me? Uh, and, I, and I feel like it must have. People do say, obviously, you become a product of your environment, don't you? And, and what you surround yourself with. And not a lot of people, I think, obviously, a very low percent of, you know, percentage of guys will will probably experience growing up with a with a father who plays in professional football. But Looking back, obviously, on, you know, your upbringing as, as, as you can now, what do you think the benefits, obviously, were for you about being involved in, in that environment and having, obviously, a father involved in football? Yeah, I think, obviously, I can only speak from when I signed for Palace because that's when I started being a goalkeeper. Before that, I, I, I you know, I, I, I dreamt of being a footballer, but I never thought it would happen. I never, I, I was at school, I was messing about. I never thought I'd be a footballer. And then... Um, I remember I, I had a, a trial at Palace and my dad was like, uh, he, he said to me like, are you going to do this? If you're going to do it, you're going to do it properly. And I remember thinking, oh, like, it's, me, it's my first trial, do you know what I mean? He's like, what, what do you want to achieve? I said, well, I want to get a contract at Palace. I want to become a schoolboy at Palace. He's like, right, let's do it then. So then, you know, I worked, I worked, went and tried on a six-week trial, got the first contract. Dad was like, remember we set that goal six weeks ago? Buzzing, get in. He was, and then he's instantly, what's next? Um, I, I wanted a scholarship. I want to get a scholarship. Okay, right. Work hard, work hard, work hard. And then Palace offered me a scholarship. So I think my dad implemented like this goal setting thing from a very young age. And um, yeah, I used to bounce off. I bounce off everything off him. Everything. Like, you know, my dad would ring me up at three o'clock every day. I was training. What'd you do? This, that, ever. Well, it's changed now a little bit. Now he's a manager. He starts talking to me about formations and everything like that. But um, yeah, he, he, he's been massive. And some of the chats we have are have been so important for me. And I feel like I've learned so much off him. Um, and it's, it's so nice to have that, that um, you know, he's, he's a dad in one breath, but he also is he's a coach. He understands what I'm going through. Um, and yeah, he's, he's just been brilliant for me. Are there any negatives? Oh, there's loads of negatives, loads of negatives. Um, obviously, I, obviously, I signed for Newcastle when he was the goalkeeping coach. So obviously, that that doesn't doesn't help too much. I remember going into Newcastle and you know, people saying, "Oh, here he is!" Like, just yeah, he's here because of his dad. So um, that was a negative that used to like really. What's that like to try and to try and deal with that perception that ah, oh, this guy's only here because of his dad, even though obviously you're an incredibly talented goalkeeper. At first, I used to be like, oh, I don't know if I'm happy with this. I remember saying to my dad, "Can't I just play for Sunderland?" Like, you know, they're only down the road. I don't want to, I don't want to like tread on your toes. And then we spoke about it. And then it was all, and then I remember just thinking, he remember him saying to me, you know, it's a nine to five job. You've got to work extremely hard. And I sort of turned it on, on its head and thought, you know what? I'm going to prove every single person that said that I'm going to work harder than you. I'm going to do more than you. I'm going to be in this training ground longer than you. And I'm going to prove that I'm Freddie Woodman and I'm not Andy Woodman's son. I'm not Woody's son. That used to be the thing. Um, so yeah, I used to, you know, from when I was fourteen, uh, from when I was fourteen, when I when I signed for Newcastle, um, I was just full on. I, I, I'd 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 be in the training ground, just doing everything I possibly can. I'd wait around till that person left, 
because then I know I'm the last person at the training ground. Like my mind was just on another level. Um, so yeah, that you know there is so many. There, there is that is a negative about it. Is people will say, oh yeah, he's he's um, he's uh, he's here because of his dad. And another you know another negative is like uh, people now or people say to me now, oh, you're not like your dad. I assumed you'd be like your dad, and I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, and obviously my dad's a character. This that and the other. I'm 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 like maybe the polar opposite. Um, so I feel like I can get compared to him in a way, but I still just want to be my own person. Uh, so yeah, I had to work extremely hard to to sort of get rid of that. That's you know talking to one of your teammates quite recently, Andre Ayew. He said his his whole mindset when he was obviously growing up to become a professional footballer was for people to know his name instead of his dad's because obviously you know his father was three time African World Player of the Year. So it, that goal of becoming his own player and people obviously acknowledge him for for who he is instead of his dad. Is that something obviously that you went through uh, and did you find that difficult or or did you embrace that? When I first signed for Newcastle, I found it difficult. I used to, I used to, used to bug me a little bit. And then I just had that moment, you know, you, you know yourself, is you have moments where you, something just changes and it, it used to drive me. It used to drive me. I used to think, you know what? I ain't going to be Woody's son. I'm going to be Freddie Woodman. I'm with Freddie Woodman. And uh, yeah, it, 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 it drove me. And it, sometimes it probably drove me, drove me mad because... I'd be at the training ground till till the last person left. I'd be at the training ground, you know, in the gym. I'd be the last one to leave the gym. If if the if the coach wanted like eleven reps, I'm doing thirteen reps. It was just getting it was getting out of hand. And um, yeah, you know, looking back now, I think it's 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 probably healthy because you know, as a young lad, you've just got to work extremely hard and you just got to be more dedicated than you know anyone else in the room and um yeah ha- happily uh people now refer to me as freddie woodman but even when i go on sky now that that w- which me and my dad laugh about is uh they'll be like uh oh, freddie woodman you know his dad is andy woodman so now it's like flipped the other way you know which is which is quite funny your dad's probably scrambling now to be like oh that's my son, that's my son. <laughs> yeah maybe maybe but he's still we we we, we chat like like i said we chat every day and he, he's he still just he grills me. He's like, you yeah, know, you haven't got 500 league games. So, like, we have this, like, in-house competition now about, um, it's called Chasing 500. So I have to get to, like, 500 league games and I can start, like, bantering him, uh, which which would be quite funny. But, no, he, he's brilliant. Like I said, he's he's, he's so good just to, to, to bounce off and just, just, just learn so much off him. The perception of, I'm interested to, to get to know a little bit because, uh, you know, you've got a similar mindset to, to quite a few of the guys that I've spoken to. And one of the guys that, we, we, you know, we had a chat about before, one of your current teammates, Matt Ritchie, is really, your mindset is really similar to Matty's in, in a way that he just saw, you know, wasn't interested in what anybody else was doing and just saw his own path and, and stuck to it. In football, as you know, a changing room can be a pretty difficult place. And if you're the guy who's staying last or coming in first, the perception is sometimes that your teammates might think, oh, like he's, he's been a bit busy or oh, he's, he's doing it like this for show or that for show. Um, you, you know, did you ever have that feeling that people were, were perceiving you in that way? And, and, you know, what did you do to deal with that? Just carry on what you were doing? Yeah, I think you're totally right. It's like the, the, the common thing at a minute in football is like you're busy. Like I used to say, I'm not being busy. I just want to, I just want to be the best. You know, I just want to try and be the best. You know, I might not get to the best, but if I can get close to it, then that's that's good enough. Um, and and yeah, I, I I was obsessed with it. Like I I, I, know, I I never used to touch a drink. I never went out. Um, you know, I was just dedicated my whole. Uh, you know, them years of being in like the youth team and the twenty threes, I just dedicated everything to just trying to 
be the best, be the best. And I, I still, I still, I'm still like it now. You know, I obviously had to chill out a little bit um, because you know football can be it can get on top of you and be and be, and be you know overwhelming and everything. Um, but yeah, that that seems to be the common thing in football. Uh, you're busy, and I and I say to the young lads now, be busy. You know because when when you get to you know play you know in first team this that and the other, the people that are calling you busy, they're working down the factory. You know they're working down Greg's or something. And I know it sounds bad, but they didn't put in the, the yards, the effort, the, 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 the more reps. They didn't put that in. And, um, and it's funny because then people will be looking at you now and be, and be thinking, oh, I wish I would have done that. You know, I wish I would have just, just done what I was, you know, done extra. I just wish I would have done that because, you know, you, as a footballer, you, you know, you, do li- you, you live a decent life, you know, and, 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 and that, is, that is what them people wish they would have done. Uh, you know the people in the, in the youth teams and, and that, that are calling you busy. The guys that are, you know telling their workmates they could have made it if they didn't have an injury <laughs> and those kind of guys. Yeah, them ones. Um, so your old man is obviously involved in football. He, you know he looks after me at the moment. He, he's looked after you for for your whole life. But not only do you have a professional footballer and a you know a current national league manager as, as your dad, but your godfather is pretty unique, man. He's he's you know the the manager of the national team at the moment. He's obviously you know this Euros has, has been a massive success, whatever way you want to look at it. Was he an influence on you growing up? Um, you know, obviously I knew he, you know, he was my godfather, but, you know, I never, I never used to really see him. Um, never used to really, you know, speak to him. Um, you know, get the old birthday message or the birthday card, which, which was good. But, the, the, you know, the thing, I got into the England under-16s team and it start, the whole thing started again. Oh, he's only here because I think um, Gareth was the under-21s manager at the time. He's only in here because uh, Gareth's the under-21s manager. And I was thinking, bloody hell, can I just get rid of this? Like, you know, you can't pick your family, can yeah. you? Um, but again, it just, I really, I really had the knowledge of how to deal with it. And I was just like, do you know what? I'm going to prove you lot, you know? And it, I had so much success uh, as an England player. And I won two, two major uh, trophies. I won two long. I won golden gloves had some of my, my best moments as an England player. Um, so, yeah, that, that probably came from, you know, that drive of, you know, I'll prove people, you know, I'm not here because of him. I'll, I'll prove people wrong. And, and, and that, that, was, that was the drive. So growing up, obviously, as you know, under 16, you tried to get rid of that perception, but you stayed in the national team, obviously, all the way up to the, to the under 21s. I don't want to set them fate, but, you know, I can see you obviously representing the, you know, the national team again. In... This period of time now that you've gone from Freddie Woodman, uh, you know, on the edge of Newcastle's first team and and going out on loan to clubs, to being one of the best goalkeepers in the championship, and now is you know as 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 the press may may say a sought after guy, has have you know have you discussed your career with him uh, as you've grown up and, and now that you're in a first team environment, is that something that you've discussed with him? No, I haven't 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 discussed it with him at all. Um, you know, the, I think the the good thing about uh, my relationship with with Gareth is it's, it's always been professional. I think you know the, the the England team and the national team have had this whole thing about St George's Park being a home. Uh, you know, the under 16s will have dinner with the first team, the seniors, and that's what we used to do. We used to you know sit and it'd be like Wayne Rooney sitting over there. You'd be like, oh my god! Um, but every time I saw uh, Gareth when I was uh, away of England, it would be strictly you know professional like. Uh, like you know, how, how's how's training been? Uh, how the game's been? Uh, you know, it was it was always so professional. Um, so yeah, I couldn't I couldn't say that like I've had any sort of discussions with him at all. Um, 
only the times when I've been in the England team. And obviously when I first got called up to the under 21s, he was the, he was the manager. And yeah, he was just saying like, obviously you're here because of what you've been doing at your club and this, that and the other. So it's always been, uh, yeah, very, very professional. Um, and it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty different to the relationship I've got with my dad is like, my dad's more of a, uh, banter and like, yeah, but he still gives me advice, this, that and the other, but I don't, I don't speak to Gareth. I don't speak to Gareth at all, really. So the goal setting that you, you know, you've said that you've got from your dad, it's obviously incredibly important to you and as we've got into a little bit of detail about it, it, you know, it seems that that goal setting and planning out your days and holding yourself responsible is something that's given you loads of success and, and, and allows you obviously to put yourself in a position to succeed on a match day. Apart from this goal setting, is there anything that obviously you've discussed with your dad that you could share with us that's maybe stuck in your memory that's, that's helped you? Um, I think, yeah, we spoke about the goal setting. That was, that was huge. I still do it today with him. I, like I'm, hopefully be setting some goals with him for the for the coming season um the working hard thing that was that was a big thing uh you know from i've always had a good work ethic uh and he just yeah he just drilled that into me i think because obviously he maybe if you would have spoke to him he would have said that he didn't work as hard as he could have when he was a player so yeah he drilled in a, a really big work ethic um mentality um trying to think of other things that that we've spoken about um not, not off the top of my head you know like the goal setting was 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 massive and obviously the work hard and them things are still are still with me today um yeah it's just chasing down this 500 that i need to get to which is going to be quite tough uh he keeps reminding me about that every every pretty much every time we speak so see moving on a little bit Freddie, the position-specific training is something that's becoming more and more popular at the moment in football, um, especially in the modern game where every position has its different attributes and different aspects to, to what people deem now as being successful. But goalkeeping has always been, you know, position-specific. You guys obviously train away from the group and then come in for whenever needed, small-sided games or, or you know, obviously when, you're, when they're working on formations for, for a match day or whatever it is. What are the obvious differences from one of your training sessions and a training session, obviously, that outfield players do day to day? I think with goalkeeping, it's very repetitive. Someone, uh, someone said to me, you almost have to become masters of boredom, doing the same things over and over again, uh, you know, nailing positions in the goal. And, you know, your handling has to be perfect, otherwise it's a goal, you know. So I think repetition is, is such a big thing, just doing the same thing over and over again. And I feel like that does have, um, you know, huge success um, because it almost just becomes so like natural when you're doing things. You don't really have to think in goal. Um, I think goalkeeper, you know, now anyway, uh, there's a lot of, ex like you have to be explosive. You have to be, you have to be agile. You have to be athletic. You know, the whole, you know, bit, the fat guy goes in goal, it's sort of gone out the window now. Um, but also like, I think now, especially when I was at Swansea, because the, the way that they played football is you have to be like an outfield player. So at Swansea, we used to we used to join in the the, the boxes. We used to be an in man, use your feet. I used to love it. I think it's brilliant. Um, so like you know, you you might play in certain teams where you need to be that outfield player. So um, it has changed quite a lot since since I've been playing. Because obviously when I was at Crawley, it was just boom, boom, just boot it. Um, and obviously I've gone to Swansea and it's play. When I was in England, it was it was play out from the back. So. Yeah, it has to be, um, certainly now it has to be, you know, it has to be a variety of things. 
Um, but I'd say that they were probably the three main points. For people who who don't know, and I, you know, I don't know, I've, you know, I've never experienced the goalkeeping session in my life, and uh, the perception of a lot of players, as I'm sure you'll know, is we'll look over at the goalkeepers and and think, oh, that looks like that looks like they're having a jolly up, or it looks easy. When you're talking about repetitiveness and, and knowing your positions in the goal, can you give us a bit more of an insight into the detail that you mean and, and what sort of stuff you do to to help you? Yeah, so for me, I I, I try and use uh, like words and terms that like that have just stuck with me. So when I when I when I see a ball in a certain position on the angle, I, I, I try and like nail my tactical position. So it's my position in the goal that gives me the best chance of of making a save. Um, you know, it's not over covering your near post, and it's not uh, being too central in the goal because it leaves your near post exposed. So that's one of the things I'm talking about. Positions is, is tactical positions and making sure that's right. Um, I think another term that I use is, is always being set. I think you might have heard that you know goalkeeper saying, oh, "I wasn't set, I wasn't set." Is uh, is always being in a nice position where your feet are on the ground, then you're ready to make a save. You're ready to make you know your steps into a save. I think that's re- really important as a goalkeeper. Um, I think you know, like I said there about getting your step in. The amount of times you see goalkeepers, well, the, the best goalkeepers uh, for me, they always get like a little step in. It gives you that little bit more of a, of, of, of explosiveness to to get into saves. Um, so yeah, I just try and use like different terms for for different things. You know, I can think of another one is like when I take a cross, for example. Uh, you'll see a lot of goalkeepers take a cross and like drag the ball down. In my head, I feel like you're dragging it down into more danger. You might knock it off with your defenders. You might knock it off a player. The referee might see you're not getting you, that you're getting fouled. So the term I use is like leave it in the air. Take a cross and just just leave it up there because no one can get the ball when it's up there in the air. Um, that's just the, another term that I use. So I sort of just try and remind myself of these key words whilst I'm training, um, it's, which is quite important. Uh, I, I try and. Uh, think about them a lot and, and, and that's the way I sort of try and practice and, and, and try and make them points better. I'm similar to you in a way, obviously, that you, you describe your love for football. I, you know, I love to watch it, I love to talk about it and I'm sure like, you know, like me, you don't really miss any football on, just on Sky on Sunday, Saturday nights. So, pundits now, are, you know, are, are out there not only criticising but praising goalkeepers a lot and obviously goalkeepers' positions and uh, and being at fault or or for a goal or what, whatever it may be, is now being spoken about probably more so than ever. You know, you get Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher on a Monday night talking about goalkeepers' positions and could he have done this better? Could he have done that better? Is it difficult for you as a goalkeeper, you know, to have pundits? You're on telly a lot at the moment and, you know, your football gets watched by so many people. I know that Swansea is obviously an incredibly huge club in Wales that has their own media. Um is it difficult for you, obviously, as a goalkeeper to be judged and possibly criticised or even praised by people that don't understand your position? Say, like, you know, how I'm trying to learn what it's like. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite funny, actually, obviously, because, you know, I, ne- I, I, re- I never have an opinion on, like, an outfield player. Like, if, if an outfield player does something good or bad, I'm not the type of goalkeeper to, like, shout or just, just be, like, talking to him about it because you know I, I don't know how to play centre midfield I don't know how to play centre back I don't know how to play full back you know I, I don't know about it um, so it's quite funny when I hear you know outfield players use like try and use goalkeeping terms and try and say this try and say that um, and you know the pundits you know, they're paid to have an opinion they're paid to, to you know try and be controversial so I don't really look too much into that um, what I will say is like you know I, I find it quite interesting when 
So, for example, like last season, like I'd, I'd made a, a good save and like, I got back in the change room. Lads were like, best save I've ever seen. Best save I've ever seen. I'm, be, I'm thinking, nah, like, that was an easy save. Like the save I made last week was way harder, you know, like, because obviously I know as a goalkeeper, like that was a diff- more difficult save than, than the one. So it's quite funny to see like what outfielders um, like, think is a good save or, or think is a mistake like we'll be on the bus watching the, watching a game on a Sunday and they'll be like goalkeepers had a mare there and I'll be like you don't understand he's got like four players in front of him it's took a deflection and like it's, it's, it's still difficult to save like so I'm always having like debates and arguments with like outfield players about about goalkeeping um, and I feel like you know everyone has an opinion on goalkeepers it's like goalkeepers don't have an opinion on a striker or a midfielder maybe some do I don't I just let them get on with it and, and, and hopefully they let, let me get on with, with my job so see obviously like you're trying to break down your training and how it's specific to a goalkeeper in the off season now pre-pre-season and we've spoken about it with some of the guys pre-pre-season has become incredibly popular guys are now going back to pre-season fitter than what they finished the last season in how do you prepare for a season as a goalkeeper in the off-season when, you know, as an outfield player, the the norm is, you know, running a little bit of ball work. But, you know, running for a goalkeeper isn't really specific. How do you train in the off-season to go back fit? Um, yeah, I have... So, you know, the season will finish and I'll have a week to myself where I'll just do whatever I want to do and what I enjoy doing. You know, I'll go fishing for like three days or, you know, go play golf or just do whatever I do. Just do not... Think about football, don't think about gym, just think about nothing. Just let the body have, and the mind, most importantly, just have time to just do what it wants to do. And then after that week, um, yeah, you know, back at it. Um, you know, like I said earlier, working with someone and, and, and speaking to someone who has that knowledge, you know, like an S&C coach who has that knowledge and say, right, you know, I want to improve my jump scores. I want my shoulders to be strong and I want to be flexible. Let's do it. And then he sets out a plan and you just implement the plan in the off-season but also still doing things that you enjoy doing. Um, I love like weird, like challenges. I love, I, I like running, you know, I'm probably not as fast as you and, and as, as fit as the outfield players, but I enjoy running. So, you know, can I implement that into, into my sessions? Can I go and do a 10 K run? Can I, you know, like one, one summer we went and climbed Snowden. Like I want to still want to do have fun, but you know, still, um, you know, maintain healthy levels and, and, and go back fit. Um, so yeah, I don't, you know, for me, I, I don't touch a football in the off-season. I, I don't touch a football. I don't have a football touch my hands. Um, that's just the way I go about it, um, which, which is quite strange because when you go back, you're like, oh, football's here. Like, what's this? Um, I, I, you know, I, the only thing I do do is I get someone to kick a few volleys at my hands you know, with no gloves on just to make sure my hands and my fingers are okay when I go back. Um, but that's, yeah, that's really the way I've gone about the off-seasons and, 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 and going back to training. What advice would you have for goalkeepers then who are struggling to find ways on how to train specific for their position in the off-season? I think you can look at goalkeeping movements and the things that you do in the goal. I think in goalkeeping, a lot of it's like lateral. You know, you're moving side to side as in, you know, as an outfield player, you're going forward, you're going back, you you know, you're you're going in all directions. As a goalkeeper, you're you're always straight onto the ball. So work laterally a lot, you know, um, and... One of the one of the, the the best exercises that I've done is so relative to goalkeeping is um, you know just have like a, a medicine ball in your hand, have it in a position, and just move around like you move around in the goal. You know you get a right good burn on your legs. I I I, I really like that one. Um, and another one is you know um, 
a lot of like up and down work with like a weighted vest on. I think, you know, that I, I don't know the science behind these two exercises. I just do it myself. Um, but it's got to have some impact. You know, if you're doing what you normally do in a goal without a ball, but you're doing it with weight, added weight, then then surely it should be should be doing something. Um, so, yeah, I think you just got to have a look at um, like what you do as a goalkeeper, like the movements you do as a goalkeeper. And then just trying to implement them and, and trying to, you know, do the exact same movements in the gym with just added weight and, and just, you know, just try and get creative with it and, and speak to people, you know, speak to your coaches. If you haven't got one, speak to someone online. There's loads of people on Instagram and on, on online. Speak to them, bounce ideas off them. I'm sure most people I speak to, they're, they're happy to help. You've spoken a little bit already about how at Crawley your role was, you know, just uh, your perception was to launch it and at Swansea now as a goalkeeper, you have to be comfortable in possession of the ball and that's sort of how modern day football is becoming. We see the, you know, the top level guys, are, goalkeepers are, are often sort of like, you know, poured over because Edison can step out and play a, a you know, can play in midfield if he wanted to or Manuel Norris stood on the halfway line when his team's attacking and, and, and stuff like that. So, in your opinion, what does a modern day goalkeeper look like um, and what are they expected to be able to do? I think first and foremost, you've, got to, you've still got to keep out of, the, out of the net. I think that can get lost a lot. Um, people always pouring over, like you said, oh, he's, he's made an unbelievable pass there. He's, 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 he's done a step over and took on the striker. We're like, yeah, that's great. But if it goes wrong, it's the goal, you know? So I think first and foremost, you know, always remember that you're a goalkeeper. You've got gloves on for a reason. And then, you know, you have to you have to just play the style that your manager wants. I think that's important. The way, you know, the club, the philosophy of the club. Um, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with teams that kick it long. I, I, I think that's just a, a style of play. I don't think there's anything wrong with people that play out from the back. I think that's a style of play. I think as a goalkeeper, you just have to be adaptable to do everything. Like, like an outfield player, I think, you know, like yourself, where you'd be like, you're expected to play centre-half and sometimes you'll be expected to fill in at right-back or you're expected to fill in centre midfield or whatever. As a goalkeeper, you have to be able to, to, to pretty much do everything. And, um, but whilst, I always say whilst, trying to keep it out of the net, like that is the most important thing. Um, but yeah, I've really, I've really liked playing all the different styles. I've, 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 really, I've really loved playing Swansea and you know, the Swansea way of playing football. I've, I've loved that and I've managed to, to have a brilliant you know, manager that, that just wanted me to improve and just get, keep getting better and better and better at it. I think from when I started at Swansea to when I finished, you know, my in-possession game just got better because you know, the, gaffle, the gaffle was brilliant with me and he just wanted me to improve on, 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 on that aspect of my game. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's, there's a wrong way or a right way to play football. You just have to be adaptable and, and, and ready to play any style what, what the manager wants you to play. I know you say keep the ball out of the net is first and foremost, you know, the most important job for a goalkeeper. But you've seen what the top level looks like. You've, you know, you've played there, you know, you're a young guy, 24 years old, but you've been at the top level now for a long time. Um, what do goalkeepers need to be able to do if they want to play at that level? Um, looking at it from, from, from myself and, and looking at the top goalies, you know, I've got goalies that I admire myself um, and I look at them and I think, what do they do? They make, they make match-winning saves. They make saves that, you know, people look back and go, wow, that's, that's a top save that. So, you know, first and foremost, in my head, they make match-winning saves. They're consistent. 
you know, some of the best goalies, you know, when De Gea was at his best, he was, he was, you know, producing week in, week out. And I think the best goalies do that. They're consistent. Um, I think the best goalies are, are calm, composed. I think, you know, that the team has, has a lot of trust in them because of that. They're not, you know, they're not erratic. They're not making rash decisions. Um, for me, they're probably the three, the three most important things for me anyway. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say that. I, I, I'm looking at, you know, the, the top goalies at the moment. I'm looking at, you know, Oblak. I love Oblak. Lloris, I've, been, I've loved him for years. Um, Edison, like you said. I'm looking at these goalies and I'm thinking they're at the top of their game. What do they do? You know, that, that, that's what I'm, I'm looking at. So you still, you know, you're obviously playing to a high level yourself, but you're still looking at these guys trying to take things from them. 100%, yeah, 100%. Um, I'm on YouTube looking at videos of, 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 goal, of, of them goalkeepers all the time. What are they doing? You know, I, I love it when, yeah, I know it's quite strange. I, I love it when Oblak puts a gym video up. What's he doing in the gym? Like, what, what can I gain from that? Um, it's almost like uh, I feel like they're giving away their secrets. I, I, I love that. And I'm, I'm a bit ob obsessed with like, oh, I don't want to give my, give my secrets away. But I think it's important to, to, to help, you know, the, 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 younger, the younger guys coming through and, and, and the younger GKs. I think it's so important for that. So, yeah, it's something that I do. And when I was younger, I used to sit and watch Super Sunday with a notepad. I used to, you know, write notes about Larice. I used to write notes about uh, Joe Hart. I used to love Joe Hart. I used to write notes about Joe Hart. Um, I don't do that so much now, but I'll do it on my own game. I watch my own clips back. I'll write some notes down. You know, what could I have done here in this situation? What did I do well? What can I improve on for the next game? I do that religiously every game after 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 every time I play. I'm interested to know. You know, we've just mentioned your age there, 24 years old, but. I'm going to drop some numbers on you, not to embarrass you really, but just to give people the, the right perception of, of the experience that you've had. Um, you know, you've played over 100 league games already, um, all on loan, but, you know, 88 of which were in the championship, but, you know, uh, both in not only a playoff final, but a playoff semi-final as well. So a high level. Over 50 youth national team appearances, which includes, you know, as you've spoken about already, an under-17s Euros win, and an under-20s World Cup win that also included the Golden Glove. Um, the amount of game time you've had in a position that's incredibly difficult to, you know, to crack. There's only one and it's, you know, very rarely are you substituted. Um, so just how important is it for a goalkeeper to be playing and gaining that experience? Yeah, I think for me, I didn't realise how important this was until like recently. Um, I used to be like, when I was younger, I was like, I'm 17, I can play, I can play, you know, I don't need experience, play me, play me. Um, now I look back and I think, you know, I'm so grateful that I've had the experiences that I've had. Um, and I think it's important as a goalkeeper that you, that, that you get game time and you go through the levels. Like some of the, look at the, the, the England goalies uh, at, at the moment, they've all gone through the levels, they've all played, they've all got game time. I think it's so important. Um, and, you know, you know, the experiences that you have, you know, playing in massive games, it, it, it does help you. It gives you, it makes you more comfortable. Like I tried to explain it, you know, I spoke to my dad about it. It's like saying, you know, um, through the second half of my, um, of the season or my second loan spell at Swansea, I was saying to him, I go out and it's just, it's just, it's just happening. It's all comfortable. It's all nice. And he was like, yeah, because, you know, you've played over a hundred games now, you know, you're just getting, you're just getting more and more comfortable, you know, playing games in that, in, in, in that environment. And I was saying to him like, yeah, it just feels like, I'm on autopilot and things are just happening and it's, it's going smooth. Whereas before, when I was younger, I used to be like thinking about it so much and like I used to make a mistake. I'd be like, oh, what am I done? You know, 
and 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 now I look back and I think them experiences have, have helped me massively. Is there a time that you felt like that clicked from you know from feeling the weight of of a mistake to now obviously feeling like you're comfortable regardless of what happens? Was there ever like a light bulb moment, or is that just happened over time? No, there was never like a moment where it happened. It was just. The championship, obviously, like you'd know that the league is, is like relentless. You're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, especially with the COVID and that. And it's almost like I got into a rhythm of just playing consistent, good, like good. I was good. I was good. No mistakes. Good, good. It was just, it was just happening. Like it wasn't, it wasn't there. It was like a light bulb moment. Um, I remember we went on a run of like games and I, I didn't concede for maybe like four games. And, and, and I, we, we was like, we hadn't conceded for ages. And I remember just thinking like, this is easy this football like this is pretty easy now and then that's when I got too comfortable and the next game mistakes happened got sloppy and that was like a moment where I was like look this is not easy you you know when you're doing well like you have to you have to you stay at that level you have to keep pushing yourself to, to, to be the best as soon as you think it's easy and it's and and and, and it's it's comfortable it, it, it come when I was getting sloppy and, and, and stuff like that. So that, that was probably the biggest light bulb moment. So being a number one is obviously a privileged position in, in a team because there can only be one. And obviously, as you said, there's other goalkeepers and, and in squads, there's usually one, two, three goalkeepers all vying for the same position. Um, what attitude should a goalkeeper have if for whatever reason that they're not the number one in a team? I think as a goalkeeper, um, you've always... Um, you have been that number two at some point in your career. You know, you have been that, that guy, that backup. You have had to experience that. And I think there's a right way to go about it and there's a completely wrong way to go about it. Um, I think firstly, the, you know, from my experiences is the other goalies are, you know, they're, they're your mates as well as they're, you know, you're all competing for the same spot. You do build a friendship with them. So, um, you know, you have to you have to act right around around them. I think, obviously, you have to respect that they're preparing to play. You know, if you are the number two, this is you have to respect that they're preparing to to play the game and and they're preparing to 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 play at the best level that they can play. So you have to respect that. You have to do everything right. Um, and then, obviously, when you are the number one, you know you. you you have to perform because you know that that guy's going to try and take your shirt. It's all healthy competition. That's what I, I used to feel. I used to be like, you know, I'm going to perform today because, you know, he's going to nick my shirt otherwise. And I used to think about that a lot. Um, not that like, it was like, I'm better than you. You know, you're the number two. You know, I, I don't think that's the right way to, to go about it. But I used to, well, I still do now. Like I'll, 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 every day in training, I'll be like, I want to catch more balls than you. You know, I want to, I want to save more than you. Uh, which is is something I've, I've I've done over the years, and even like now, I I, I probably I don't know, people will think, oh, what a like numpty for saying this is like I'll stand in the tunnel, and obviously as a goalie, you would stand next to the other goalie, and always be polite. I'll say hello, like how are you, and then in my head I feel, and I have to I have to like say in my head like I'm going to be better than you today, like I have to be better than you today. So it's me beat you, uh, which is just weird. I've, I think my dad used to used to say that to me, and I've something I've gone about it. And if I'm not better than the other guy, I get like a bit disappointed. I'd be like, oh God, like he's impressed, you know, he, he, he's had a good day at the office and I haven't. Uh, and then obviously when, when you have, I think it comes back to that challenge, you know, that I said in the beginning is like, that's a challenge. I want to be better than, than, than that guy. And turning that into a competition, is that something that you feel like has, has helped you in your career? I think it's helped during my life. 
everything's a competition. I, I'd probably say that, you know, people, my friends and my family will probably ha hate me for it, but I can't do anything unless it's competitive. I can't play Uno unless there's a tenor on it. Me and my dad can't, you know, do anything unless there's something on it, you know. It's, it's, just, it's just mental. I don't know why it is. Um, I just feel like there's no point, you know. Like, if... if um, if, if, if me and my mate are reading the same book, I'm going to finish before him and I'm going to learn more than him. You know, it's, I don't know what it is. It's just a, it's just a competitive, competitive thing. And, um, you know, when I was at Swansea, it probably, it, you know, we, I used to play darts every day with a kit man and I used to lose every day. I used to get so angry. It used to, it used to drive me mad. And um, so, yeah, like even that was like a massive competition and I had to try and beat him and I didn't end up beating him. But I think just during my life, everything has, has been a competition, um, which is you know, healthy in one breath. But it also is, it can, be a, it can be annoying as well because, you know, your friends get a little bit aggy with it and your family kind of get a bit aggy with it sometimes as well, um, which is not ideal. I think these high-level athletes, though, the guys that are successful, you know, I want to talk about Ronaldo in, in the same breath, obviously, because, you know, the things that I've read about him is that he's such a winner, he's... You know, he doesn't even let his little boy beat him at anything that he that he plays. So that competitive edge is arguably, you know, what's made you at your young age so far successful and probably is what's going to make you successful moving on to, to an older age as well. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. And it's funny hearing that you, know, you said about the Ronaldo story is like, even when I was a kid, like me and my dad would go play golf and he'd, he'd, be, he'd outdrive me and be like, I outdrove you. Like, I'd have to mention it. And like, I remember like when we, I must have been like, I don't know, 12 or something, I outdrove him like playing golf and I was like, I outdrove you now. Like I'm big dog now, you know what I mean? Uh, so I think it's probably come from him. Like he never used to let me win nothing, like anything. Like, we, we, we played cards and never let me win. We'd play pool, never let me win. And like, obviously now I beat him at quite a lot of stuff, which is, which is, which is nice. But um, yeah, I think that, I think that competitiveness is, is, is yeah, probably important and probably you know, something that will probably stay with me, you know, after my career, because even in my everyday life, uh, I turn everything into a competition, which, like I said, is, is brilliant in one breath. In other, in other situations, it's not, not ideal. So touching on, for anybody listening, obviously, uh, you know, I can imagine there's going to be people, young guys, goalkeepers, or people who, who may want to become goalkeepers listening to this or watching this. If you are a number two for whatever reason and you're training you know, the, the same way as the number one all, all week, but then you don't have that match day experience. What can you be doing to obviously get enough out of training and being a number two to help you prepare for actually when you're given the opportunity to play? I think, yeah, I think you have to always remember that, you know, uh, my, my dad always says about so the, the big guy's going to deal you an ace and you have to be ready when that ace comes. I don't know why he says it's an ace. I'm not really sure. But um, so like as a number two, you don't know when your chance is going to come because it can come at any moment. You just know, like I said earlier, you have to prepare the, like you're playing because your moment might come. And if you haven't prepared right, you're not giving yourself the best chance to, to impress and keep the jersey. Um, so I think that, that when I've been the number two, that's always been my, my sort of driving force um, is like, let me prepare like I'm the number one. And if my chance comes, great if it doesn't i have to just keep preparing and keep just grinding away grinding away grinding away until my chance does come um it's almost like from my experience is like i um you know i i, I didn't play as i didn't go on loan as many times as i've liked to you know I, I i'd go out for like half a season where i wanted to go out for the full season 
And I'd be in like the 23s and I'd be some dark days where I'd just be like, what am I doing here? You know, I'm playing with like 16 year olds. I'm 20. I've just won the World Cup. You know, I feel like I should be in a good place. And I had to just constantly remind myself like, there's going to be a time where you're going to play and you have to be ready for it. And that was like my driving force, you know, like every day I'd work hard, every day I'd go in the gym, you know, I'd do extras. And then ultimately my chance come, I signed for Swansea. And I, I felt, you know, like all them dark days, all them times where I was, you know, in the 23s, nowhere near the Newcastle first team. It was reminding me like, you know, them days were worth it. You know, I'm playing in the champ now. I'm, I'm getting my chance. And, you know, them days where you think everything is like against you and you're in like the darkest place ever, you just got to grind through them. I might get a different answer now to, to the next bit that I really want to ask you about off the back of what you've just said, because here I want to talk to you a little bit about dealing with success. And so, you you know, you're 19 years old, you're playing in the under-20s World Cup, you win, you've got the Golden Glove Award, incredibly, you know, probably a massive moment in your life and your career. Um, so many of those players, obviously, that you played with in that team have gone on to be incredibly successful so far in their careers as well, all young guys. Um, as it, you know, as it seems right now, off the back of the last two years, your, you know, your career is going to move on positively again. Just what was it about that group that obviously was able to be so successful and how have you managed to deal with that success moving forward? I think obviously I'll answer the first bit there about why that group was so successful is because um, the t- t- togetherness of the group was, was, was something I've never experienced before in a team. You know, we didn't, we, we wasn't a club team, so we only met up in the international breaks, but the t- togetherness of that group was, was, was fantastic. Um, I think we dealt with failure. You know, I think a lot of people don't know is we went out to South Korea um, a couple of international breaks before the World Cup. We got beat by Korea. I think we got beat by Nigeria and we drew with another team and there was like a massive like crisis meeting of like, why aren't, why aren't we beating these teams? We got a World Cup at the end of this year. Um, so yeah, we, we dealt with failure and um, yeah. And then, you know, when we went to the World Cup, I think ultimately we had some seriously good players. Like we had some proper players at, at that level. And I think in, in, in international football and group level, uh, in, in group stage uh, tournaments, you win your first game, you get momentum and it just, just rolls, it just rolls, it rolls. And um, yeah, that, that, that's probably why we was successful. And then obviously dealing with the success um, is it, quite funny. Um, after the World Cup, I obviously went back to Newcastle. I'm buzzing. I've got my back up. I've won the World Cup, won the Golden Glove. Half thinking, you know, I'll just walk into this Newcastle team. It'd be nothing. You know, I see Rafa Benitez slap him on the cheek, said, well done, like, get on with it sort of thing. I was a bit like, oh, is there not like, you know, fireworks and a big parade sort of thing, <laughs> which is which is quite funny. Um, but yeah, so it was just pretty much, you know, get on with it. That was it. And then... Um, that, that, that after that World Cup, that was that was probably my toughest season like ever, like in my whole career. I was in twenty threes. I was playing poorly in the twenty threes. You know, I was I was training with the twenty threes. <laughs> I was nowhere near the first team, and I was just so like, what's happened? You know, I was I was the best goalkeeper in the world uh, a couple of months ago, and and now I'm playing at like Whitley Park. It is up in Newcastle against like sixteen year olds, and I couldn't couldn't quite grasp what was going on and, and that that was probably a tough time and it really really humbled me um but i still maintained you know, although i was playing poorly and, and that can happen to any players you can go through a stage of playing badly i understand that now is 
I still maintain like good levels, like, you know, through training, I try to train my hardest. I go to the gym, I do extras. Everything that I've done before, I still do, but I couldn't understand what I'm playing poorly. I was just having a bad time. Um, so yeah, like that, that, that probably humbled me the most after my, my success. And I'd say, you know, the drive of like winning, like I'd, I, I, obviously I had the Euros where I'd like held a trophy. I know it sounds weird. I held a trophy and like had the medal around my neck and the big celebrations. I, I wanted that again. Like I look back at all the photos and I think to myself, I'd love that again. Like, I want to win. I want to win. I want to have trophies. I want people to to look at me and be like, oh, he's, you know, golden glove winner, this, that, and other. It's, it's almost, you know, it probably sounds bad. It's like an ego thing, you know, wanting to get like your hands on trophies and medals and, and have their memories. Like when you mentioned there, the World Cup, it gives me goosebumps. I think, oh, what a moment. That was like one of the best times of my life. Like going to like South Korea with, with, with your best mates and, and winning and like just doing, having amazing life experiences. I want to have that again, ultimately. You played with obviously loads of talented players as you've just spoken about there at, at that World Cup. And I know you've played 23s football and, and so you'll understand what I mean by this. And, and hopefully people obviously listening can relate because what's happening in football obviously is we hear about a lot of young players who are super talented, who are going to be the next best thing. And for whatever reason, they struggle to turn that into a, you know, into a proper career in professional football. Um, what should young guys be doing if they're in that position where they have an opportunity to be successful to actually become successful? I think, for me, get yourself out on loan as quick as you can. If you're not, if you're not in the first team, get on loan as quick as you can. Get, in, get in, men's, in men's football, get around senior pros that will tell you the half tr harsh, harsh truths of the game. Um, I, uh, I had a car school at Crawley, Simon Walton, Joe McNearney and Luke Rooney. They were, that was my car school. And, uh, they used to they used to give me the most like life experiences from from girls all the way to playing football like it, it, it was extreme so yeah get yourself out on loan get in a men's environment rack up the games because you get respected more i remember when i had no league games i was just no one, no one really cared about me got 50 league games and it's more as like oh this this boy can you know he can play in the league he can hold himself in the league um so that 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 would be my my advice is you know Get yourself out on loan. If, if you're not in your first team, get yourself out of, you know, I feel like, the, you know, 23 is great. Like, don't get me wrong. It's brilliant. You're learning. You're learning. You're, you're up and coming. But it's a comfortable environment, especially in a Premier League team. It's such a comfortable environment. Uh, you'll go out on loan and you'll go to, you know, I don't know, places like Bromley or, or for me, Crawley, Hartlepool, them places. And, and you'll learn a lot about your character and uh, you'll learn a lot more about the, the whole football environment because it isn't 23s and the environment is not, for me, real football. It's, you know, it almost emulates the first team. So like Newcastle 23s will em like be like the first team at Newcastle, but it's not, it's not the first team, is it? Because you're, you're an under 23 player. So yeah, get yourself out in, in, in the real world and, and experience um, real football. So moving on from that, just before we finish, as a young footballer, how important is having ambition, in your opinion? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's massive. I think it's massive. I think you have to, you have to have that 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 drive, that ambition to just. For me, it is. Um, I just want. I just want to be better. I just want to be better than I was yesterday. It's the whole. You know, I, I spoke earlier about Steve Black. He 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 introduced me to this Japanese term, uh, kaizen, continuous improvement. That's, that's my ambition. It's just to become a better human being 
and a better footballer every single day. What can I do to get better? You know, what can I do firstly to be a better human being? And then what can I do to be better in my career? And and that is the the, the Japanese term that I sort of try and live my life by. It's, it's called Kaizen, it's, you know, continuous improvement. That's that's my ambition. That is what I just want to implement every single day. Something that you've spoken about really well throughout the whole podcast that we've been speaking about is is obviously your goal setting and um, and sort of about setting out things obviously that you want to achieve. Um, how do you become aware aware of what your ambitions are, um, and what do you do to keep you know what do you do to keep yourself accountable to them? I've um, yeah, I, I don't think I've spoken to anyone about this apart from probably my dad. Is um, five years ago I started just tracking everything like you know like a habit tracker it started as like a habit tracker on my phone so i started tracking out of out of uh, five how good was my day uh, how, how well did i eat throughout the day how well did i sleep how well did i train and um and and how ha- did i learn something from the day so i'd rate that out of five and it's this started five years ago and i still do it today where i just you know, it just has to be in like a notebook or wherever I do it on my, I do it on my, uh, you know, like Excel when you're on your, on your laptop. I do it on that. I just, I rate myself out of, out of five, five being the best, one being the worst. You know, if I've had a burger and like just eating rubbish throughout the day, you know, I'm putting myself down for one. That That is being accountable for, for your day. Um, and in terms of like your goals and your ambitions is obviously be realistic, but realize that you can achieve like some big things. And, this goes way back to when I started is like, I never, I never thought I wanted to be a footballer, but I never really believed that I'd actually become a footballer. You know, my head was on like, I'll probably just join my granddad's roofing firm and that, that'll be that. Um, so yeah, like I didn't believe I'd be one, but then when I spoke to my dad about, you know, getting that schoolboy scholarship, you know, at the time I'm thinking, Whoa, I don't know, like I'm, I'm just on trial. I got that first, um, that first like goal, that first ambition. And I was like, oh yeah i can do this what's the next one i got the next one i got the next one i got the next one and it's 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 strange how many times you can just go like got that got that got that got and you just keep building and building and building um and like i said earlier about just having momentum the amount of times where i've had like like i said earlier about the habit tracking and that is like i can i'll have a bad day maybe I, i sleep poorly that night and then it switches you on you're like right let's get back into my routine of like going, you know, not going on my phone before bed, get into bed, go to sleep, have some good rest. And it just, it, it slowly just goes momentum and you, you go good night, good night, good night, good night, good night. And it happens with a lot of things is like the more momentum you get, you know, it just becomes a lot easier. And, and, and the habit tracking thing is something I've done. You know, I've not really spoken to anyone about it. It's just something that I've done personally. Is are these ambitions something that I know obviously you've just shared that with us and it's something that, you know, I hope that people appreciate, but, voicing your ambition and voicing you know what you want to achieve is that something that you do or do you prefer to to keep it inside um i prefer i prefer to keep it inside me i'll tell like obviously a few people around me like if for example when um the under 20 world cup was on it was in new zealand this was like three years before i went into the to the world cup i must i was only maybe like 16 or 17 me and my dad was watching at home i said to him i'm gonna win the golden glove at that tournament my dad, my, dad, my dad turned around and said, he said, shouldn't you try and get in the under-18s team first? Because I was on the bench for the under-18s. So that's, that was his reaction. And um, I, I, I set uh, the, the goal. Uh, so, uh, do you know Ariola? He was at um, 
Fulham last season. Yes. He won the Golden Glove that year uh, in that World Cup. So I had a photo on my phone, on the, but not on the, 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 the lock screen so people see it. Do you know the, the, the other screens? You can change that one. I had a photo of Ariola holding the Golden Glove for like three years on my phone. And, and I just saw it every single day, every single day. Uh, and that ultimately is what, what, what helped me. And I still do it now. Like um, people come to my house and they're like, why have you got that on your wall? Like, why have you got a photo of that on your wall? I was like, I'm going to have that in like three years time. Like, don't worry about it. Like, that's going to be mine. But I don't share it to like the world and that like um, nothing like that. Um, like, for example, um, I don't think I shared this with anyone and people probably think like, you know, like your ego's out, 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 out of this world. But when I, when I signed my first professional contract, um, my dad said like, are you going to get something to like show for it? You know, what, what are you going to get to like, you know, it's your first big deal. Like we was buzzing that we'd completed this goal. And um, he was walking around the Metro Centre and uh, I just got my, like, my first, like you feel like you've got so much money, didn't you? Your first pro contract. And uh, we went past Goldsmith. So I said to my dad, I'm going to buy that watch. He's like, what? I was like, I'm going to buy that watch. That's going to be like my, my professional contract thing. I'm going to buy that watch. I ended up buying the watch. And um, that's what that's become a thing that like, me and my dad do is like, if I sign a new deal, I, I get a watch. Like I treat myself to that. I, I, I'm obsessed with watches. I love watches. It's like just my own thing that like, people are obsessed with cars or whatever. So um, like now, it's not that it's the watch that, means anything it's the it's the, the watch is a symbol for me to work hard every single day and think i need to get that next contract you know I, that keeps me in the game that, that keeps me playing football so like now at the minute like i'll have like a photo of a watch on my wall so uh so i had this photo of i hadn't signed a deal for like four years i was so long i had this photo of a watch on my wall for like ages and like my mates would come around and be like still haven't got that watch still haven't got that watch and uh, I remember I've signed my deal and I just remember just being so happy like to my dad, like I finally, I finally can get this watch like buzzing. Like, so I think it's nice to have like them sort of things where, you know, it's the best feeling in the world. I think for anyone, like, even if like I talk about my friend, he's, he's losing weight and like he set a goal and he ticks it off. It's like the, the whole fun of like ticking the goal off. You're like, oh God, buzzing like can't wait and for me like it was like taking a photo off the wall with this watch and throwing it away and being like get in but then your, your mind just goes what's what's next you know what am I doing next so for example my friend would be like I want to I'm, I'm going to get down to this weight now and for me that watch come down another watch went back up I want I want I want a new contract I want it's you know it's people might think oh he's, he's, he's flash getting a watch this that ever the watch is relevant it's, it's the, the aim of looking at that every single day and thinking I need to get a new contract because that keeps me in the game. Now. Have you heard the Casper Schmeichel story? Very similar. It's been on high performance. Yeah, podcasts. I listen yeah. to love them pods and he, yeah. he tells everyone about his goals, doesn't he? Amazing. Yeah. So I think it was only probably similar experience to yours, obviously for, for people not having watched it. Casper um, Schmeichel told his dad, I'm going to win the Premier League. And his dad says to him, well, you know, if you're just telling me, it doesn't really mean anything. You need to make it more public. So he told his school, he went back to his primary school or secondary school, whatever, and told them all hundreds of kids, like, I'm, I'm going to bring the Premier League back here and obviously ended up doing it. But I can, I can see and I can relate to, to the goal ticking and to having the ambition and to, by voicing an ambition becomes real. And by it becoming real, you become accountable to, to obviously hold yourself to that. Is it, you know, is that how you feel? 100%. I feel accountable every single day. Like, you know, obviously the, 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 the new contract and the watch isn't the only thing on, on my wall. I think, you know, last season I set the goal of, you know, um, 
can I get to can I get to twenty clean sheets? And I remember getting to twenty clean sheets before the season had even ended, and I was just like buzzing. Like we um, we when we we played Chef Wednesday, and we beat them like comfortably two 0 and like like we 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 was cruising through the game, and uh, the final whistle went, and I just let off this roar like buzzing like couldn't believe it and like one of the centre half Benno come up to me he's like why is shouting so loud for what's that Benno 20 clean sheets and like obviously I hadn't told him that was my goal like but I was like I'm buzzing like I can finally tick it off um which which is which is quite funny but yeah like I just think it's important for for anyone like even if you're listening to this to this pod and and you're not a, a professional footballer you still have goals in your life still have things that you want to achieve and, and, and have something that's like the focus so you work every single day and like that's your focus. I think a life without purpose is like just, you're just, you're just wandering through life. It's, 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 it's pointless in, in, in my eyes. Listen, Freddie, thank you so much, mate, for, for joining me today. You know, I've been speaking obviously to your old man about doing this and he told me you were going to struggle, but... <laughs> <laughs> I know, he's trying to banter me, isn't he? Like, yeah. I think it's gone all right, mate. So, so just to finish off, I just want to get your opinion on... I know you're still a young man and I've said obviously only 24, but what advice would you give to a 17-year-old Freddie Woodman just starting his professional football journey? Why? Yeah. Um, what would I say? Um, you know what? I'd, I'd probably say to him, ignore the noise of people saying that you're, you're this, you're that, and just, just keep, keep grafting. Just keep grafting, keep grinding out the days every single day. And um, yeah, tr trust the process that you're on because you know it, it must, it must, it must work. You know, so um, that's what I'd probably say: ignore the noise and, and trust the process. All good, mate. Wicked. All good. Appreciate your time. Wicked. Really, Thanks, thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Freddie Woodman as much as I did. Please remember to subscribe, like, and review this show and head to the ePerform website to sign up for world-class, football-specific information to improve your game every week for free. I'm Joe Partington. See you soon. <laughs>